Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. Now, a lot of young people go to college or university because, well, honestly, that's what you're supposed to do, or at least what we're told. So they spend a few years of their lives going through the motions of attending classes. And then, you know, hopefully on the other end, why not with a degree that will serve them for the rest of their lives and accumulate a lot of debt in the process, by the way. Is this process really serving all young people out there? Well, too often, the choice that they're thinking about as high schoolers is what college to pick rather than what life to pick. Well, my guest today is on a mission to change that narrative. Michelle Jones is doing her life's work right now, which for her is both exhilarating and terrifying. For her, purpose in life is to help others figure out what they want to do with their lives and then to start doing it. She's the founder of an amazing school called Wayfinding Academy, which offers programs to do just that help young people undercover what truly lights them up, and then prepare them for a career in that direction. Many graduates have gone straight from wayfinding into fields that require no additional schooling, but where having a strong network is essential, things like event planning, carpentry, small business startups, teaching at alternative schools, and more. And others have gone on to enroll in four-year colleges to make an impact in fields like education, biology, philosophy, and communications. And here's one amazing statistic that I found. 100% of wayfinding students graduate debt-free. Hope I got that right. So this is going to be an incredible conversation that you're not going to want to miss. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's delightful to, to to reconnect. We met really briefly. Um, wow, I think it was, tw- was yeah, it 2015. Right. Six, six when, years ago, uh, yeah. We've, yeah, we're at, uh, it's in Portland. The only time I've ever been to Portland at uh Old Domination Summit, and um, yeah, you're on stage and getting the uh, announcement for the, the I guess the, the the funding, the the grant to begin this whole process of starting wayfinding. Um, <laughs> a lot has happened in that time. A lot time, has I'm happened. Sure. Yeah, back then we didn't have any students yet, or a campus, or any of that, and now that's all five years underway. So you know, I, I'd love to um, for for my curiosity and for everyone else out there too is how how did this all begin? Um, what was sort of the I guess the, the seed of, of wayfinding, what, what yeah. made it come about? I feel like in some ways the story is kind of what you would expect. It's, um, you know, a lot of people start things or found organizations or nonprofits out of frustration, out of a problem that they see in the world that they don't see uh, enough of a solution or enough progress being made to make that better. And so for me, it's sort of that standard story, but I was a college professor for 15 years before starting wayfinding 
And so over those 15 years, it was hearing from a lot of students about their frustrations with the higher education system, mostly related to the idea that they thought that when they went to college, that it was going to help them figure out what they wanted to do with their life. And that as soon as they graduated, they'd be ready to start doing it and they would have their purpose and they would have sort of this path for their life of knowing, here's how I'm going to contribute to the world and here's how I can best do that. Um, And I would usually encounter them. The courses I taught were typically offered for juniors and seniors. And I would usually get them towards the end of Mm -hmm. that. And by then they were pretty jaded and pretty angry, pretty frustrated that they'd now spent all of this time. And the experience they got was very different than what they um, thought when they went in and what they were hoping for and what Um, in some cases, their families, what their families thought they were paying for. And then, of course, over that 15 Mm. years, the cost of higher education has gotten exponentially more expensive, at least in the United States. And I I hear it's true in Canada a bit as well. So so it was just a lot of that frustration that, that college wasn't actually helping young adults figure out who they wanted to be in the world and what their purpose driven work would be and, and how to start doing it. So a little bit radical, but decided to start a college that I thought could could do that better. What What do you think? Um, what are some of the big reasons why um, college colleges in general aren't fulfilling on that promise or that hope, right? To define that direction and purpose and, and clarity for life going yeah, forward. Yeah, I think this is going to sound like an oversimplification of the of the reason why, but I think a lot of things stem from. Um, that colleges are now run a lot more like businesses than they had been in previous generations. Um, so I guess the short version is I blame capitalism and the forces of capitalism creeping into industries like education. Um, and so as a result, that changes the way that colleges have to work when they take that mindset. So you saw during the time I was working in traditional colleges, you saw a lot more hiring of uh, vice presidents and chief innovation officers, you know, t- job titles that you would typically see in the corporate world, but not in education. Um, and then mm. the way that budget, budgets were allocated, um, that changed a lot. And so a lot of the student uh, interaction became a lot more business-like and a lot more uh, based on numbers and transactions. Exactly. And um, I definitely saw that over just the decade and a half that I was as a faculty member, I, I, you know, as a, when I was a student in that system, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention, but as a faculty member, I saw it get pretty exponentially worse in a fairly short time. And I think then that drove a lot of different sorts of decision-making processes that have resulted in what we now see today, um, in, including in significant increases in bureau- bureaucracy so that students didn't feel, and faculty too, for that matter, uh, don't feel like they can show up as whole humans and be treated as humans and interacted with as humans. Um, I think that's was the root cause. There's a lot more to it than that, but mm. I'd say I'd point right. at that mostly. Sure. So what would you say then? I mean, if if you could change things um, with a magic wand would you, or maybe keep it a little simpler. I mean, what, which, what to you is really the purpose of higher education? I then? do think that the purpose is, and maybe not just higher education, but education in general, but I am not an expert at, you know, K-12 education and preschool education, things like that. So I try to stick to my lane of higher education. Um, And I do think that the purpose is to help young adults uh, learn what they need to learn to be effective citizens of their communities 
and do purpose-driven work. So figure out where their skills and talents and interests are and uh, understand enough about what's going on in the world from broad strokes and build some basic skills so that whatever purpose-driven work they decide they want to do, they're prepared to do it. And they have the support needed to do that. So often that comes partly from skill building, you know, understanding how to work with other people, understanding how to be an effective communicator. Um, But also I think it comes from uh, knowing what it takes to build a community and to uh, engage in a community in such a way that you can uh, help one another to achieve what you're trying to achieve. Because rarely is anything ever achieved alone by a single individual in the world. Mm. Um, And so I think it's I think that the purpose of higher education is that. Now, then at certain places, you would specialize in specific things, right? You might study law or medicine or business or education to become a teacher. But I think at the root of it, it's figuring out what it is that you are best able to contribute to the world and building the skills and the community necessary to do that effectively. Um, Wayfinding just goes straight for that, like directly for that in a two-year program Uh rather than trying to build all the other structures around it. We just go straight for the skill building and community and that kind of thing. Yeah, let's let's dive in a little bit more then into into wayfinding then. So um, what's what's kind of your your ideal um, student to to go yeah. to wayfinding? Um, we don't really have an ideal student on our side of things. We do we do um, things differently. We don't have an admissions department. We have a matchmaking department. Um, and that's very intentional because we really want this to be a good match for both parties, the student and for the college. And so on our side, I don't know that we, I would say we have an ideal student. Um, what we do try to do is find people for whom wayfinding is a really good match and where we've seen patterns emerge. So now it's been, let's see, five years of operating with students. We just started our eighth cohort of students last week. Um, thank you. Congrats. feels a little surreal to be doing this, but at this point we are able to identify some patterns because that's hundreds of students who have come through uh, wayfinding at this point. And the one thing that they all seem to have in common is that they know that the traditional higher education model is not for them. And they know that a variety of ways. In some cases they've tried it because as you mentioned in the introduction, that's sort of the path everybody takes because that's what they're told to do. Uh, So sometimes they try it Mm -hmm. and then that confirms for them, yeah, this is not, you know, this is not fulfilling my needs. This is not doing what I want it to do. Um, And then they find us or um, they've been in some form of alternative education model for their, you know, pre-college years. um, And they know that that's a better match for them. So then when they get to searching for colleges, they're looking for alternative colleges that do welcome them as whole humans and treat them as whole humans. So that's the one thing that every one of them has in common. Like they would not be going to college were it not for wayfinding. They would have otherwise opted to do something else, not go at all, whatever. Um, And so this provides the opportunity for those types of young adults to get a college education uh, and a degree if that's what they're after. Um, but doing it in a way that fits their needs and is a good match for them and a better match for them than the traditional model. It's quite a range of diversity once you get beyond that thing that they all have in common. I mean, our our youngest student who just started last mm-hmm. week is uh, 18 and our oldest is 35. Okay. Right. Um, oh, wow. right. At this point, a little over half of our students are students of color, identify as BIPOC students. Um, most of mm-hmm. them 
oh, I guess I should say it's a little less than half who identify as first generation college students. Um, and we and we have students from all over the country. So our, this last cohort, we had students move from as far as Massachusetts um, and as close as, you know, two neighborhoods over to come into this cohort. So it's a quite a wide range of lived experiences and diversity and all the other forms. Yeah. But that one thing they all have in common is they know that being at an alternative college is a better match for them. And one where they'll have a little bit of an adventure, you know, things aren't, it's, we like to consider ourselves a semi-structured self-directed learning college, which is a lot of words. Um, but there's a lot of self-directed learning that happens at Wayfinding. Um, and so it has to be, if this is a match for you, you have to be someone who really likes that, who likes to be a little bit of like a champion of your own path. But we also have some structures in place so that you're not, um, you know, like unlike some of the other models that exist out there for alternative education, we do create, I mean, we do have core courses, we do have guides that they have, we have, you know, faculty, and we, you know, we have some structure to it so that they're doing self-directed education within um, a structure of that provides some uh, guardrails, I guess. For sure. Yeah. Because yeah, for, yeah, for a lot of people, as, as you point out, like, they are really kind of struggling to figure out what, what that path is. And um, a lot of cases, you, you know, they're not really sure where, where, how to look. So I'm sure that those structures. Really yeah. Help. I think that's where a lot of that, um, the core courses and the guides program and our labs program and internships, it helps them figure out where do I look for things or how do I try things out um, and like dip my toe into something that I think I might want to do, but then I, I don't actually, I won't actually know until I try it. So then they have the opportunity to try it a little bit and conclude, yes, I'm going to keep going on this path or nope, glad I tried it. Now I'm going to switch to a different path. So is that, is that really a, a good way to describe um, the process at Wayfinding? It's really just uh, kind of like a journey of experimentation to then, you know, hopefully by you know, the end of like, like, like right. two years, right? The, uh, the, the program. So by the end of the two years, you have a lot more clarity and sense of direction in terms of like where you want to invest your, your time and your future. Yeah, in absolutely. I, that's a great way to describe it. We just did our most recent newsletter was an interview with one of our alumni from our very first cohort of graduating students. And uh, she described it. I'd never heard her describe it this way, but it, it makes sense is that she felt like it was a place she could come and experiment with different things and fail at things with a support system where no consequences. I mean, failure is a lot of how we learn what we do and don't want to do and what works for us and what doesn't. So she came and she says she felt like she mm -hmm. spent um, the two years trying something and failing at something, trying something, failing at something until towards the beginning of her second year, she found the thing that she, that was her, that was her, her thing. And now, and then from that point on, she just kept going on that path and that became her life's work. Now she's a, carpenter is what she ended up concluding that she wanted to do yeah oh fascinating wow yeah it, it sounds a bit like um kind of like the the personal equivalent to like a, like a, like a lean startup or, an incub or business incubator or something right where you've got a, a startup company trying to develop a product a solution and hmm. a lot of testing a lot of um trying to get the right product market fit but in this case it's really just all about finding that that, that personal a personal fit and direction in, in, in the world and, but do it in a, in a structured way so you can rapidly accelerate through the, the process, um, and, and do things otherwise. Absolutely. Be possible and you kind of get, um, we call them guides, but I've been working with an executive coach for the past couple of years. And I now feel more comfortable saying that our guides function somewhat as, you know, life coaches or career coaches or life path coaches 
for our students. So every student who comes to Wayfinding has a guide who they're assigned at the beginning, who they meet with every week for two years. Um, and that person helps them get the most out of the two years at Wayfinding, but make sure that they're also set up for success afterwards. So, so yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way before, but that's, but that's also kind of built into the model is in addition to the, the faculty and the staff and all the other community support you get, you have this one dedicated person who's, whose job it is to help you craft your story and keep your story and help you choose that path. Yeah. Could you, um, maybe just at a high level kind of walk through the, I guess the, the journey of, of a, of a student from kind of start to, to end through the yeah, time. That absolutely. We and, um, I'll do it very briefly in this case, but I, I did, I gave a couple of years ago, I gave a TEDx talk, um, where I chose one of our students at the time who was halfway through the program and walked through their, um, what their experience had been like so that you could see an example. So folks can mm -hmm. go to that if they want the more detailed version. Awesome. Yeah, right. we'll, we'll put a link to that yeah, thanks. in the show notes. Yeah, so um, once a student decides that wayfinding is a good match for them, and like I mentioned, we have a fairly unique uh, process by which they decide that. It's very conversational and relationship-based. But once they decide that this is a good match for them, uh, they arrive, they do an orientation with us, so they get to know we're, we use a cohort model. So they take all their classes with their cohort mates, sometimes with other cohorts as well, but at least with their home base cohort mates. And throughout the two years, they'll take nine uh, core courses that everybody takes in common. Um, usually they take five their first year and four their second year. And that's structured that way so that by their second year, they've probably identified a few things they want to try out. And they have more free time outside of classes to do internships. So in, in their second year, they would do two internships. They can do one in their first year if they want, but at some point they do two different internships where they try mm -hmm. things out. And that's a chance for them to get connected to the community and um, get some actual work experience doing things they think they want to do. Uh, they also will take 12 labs which are basically like very short, very specific, very topic focused courses so that they can try a little thing to see if they like it or don't like it. So for example, we offer, just offered one in woodworking and almost all of our students signed up for woodworking. So they now all know how to do basic woodworking things. And we have one coming <laughs> up in next month, I think, on Palestine and the conflict that's happening in Palestine. So these topics range from like sort of uh, hands-on skill building things like woodworking or art um, or gardening to uh, more philosophical topics like understanding gentrification or colonization. So um, students can take, they have to take at least 12 of those, but they can take as many as they want so that they experience that. So that's the main structure is the core courses, the internships, the labs, and the guide program. How do you decide which... Um... Which kinds of labs and things to We ask to the students. So they kind of tell us. Uh, they, For example, they'd been telling us for years they wanted woodworking. And we almost had one that was about to happen before COVID started. Uh, and then, right. right. And then Good we finally COVID. got it yeah. to happen last year with a partner organization that has a woodworking shop in their building. So that one was off-site, not on our campus. Um, but every year we survey our students and find out um, what they're interested in, what this particular batch of students is really interested in learning about. Right now, for example, we have a lot of students who are artists and really interested in anime uh, and in films. So we expect that we'll be offering labs that touch on those subjects because that's what these students are really interested in. And then we have a couple of favorites that we 
repeat regularly, like uh, personal finances. It's a thing that a lot of young adults say that they really mm. need some skill building in and don't know where to get it. So we offer like a personal finance course um, every year usually and a travel hacking lab. So how to build some skills at earning points and miles so you can travel for free or close to free for most of your life. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this is, is Chris uh, Gilbo help <laughs> I, out with that one. Uh, I teach that himself. one now, <laughs> um, and, but I learned, I learned everything okay. I know from Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I I signed up to his 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 he had a website where you could get all the, all like the different the offers travel on hacking cartel like, or something. Things. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that for, for <laughs> yeah, for not not doing that so much these days anymore. But um, yeah, it's super cool. Well, and I know it seems as well. It's it's really important um, for you and for for wayfinding that you know students going through this process um, aren't leaving it with a, a huge pile of debt, which is so common in um, post-secondary education. I'd love for you to talk a little bit of that and how you've, been, you've managed to, um, at least I was looking on your website, it looked like, like all of your graduates have graduated without any student Mostly, debt. Mostly, yeah. Right? They, a very few of them, you know, like less than a handful, owe wayfinding money when they graduate. Um, but they don't, Oh, anybody else. So it, this is an interesting point of conversation among our current staff and board, because um, one of the decision points we are facing in the near future is whether to go down the path of all the bureaucratic regional accreditation processes to get access to the federal financial aid system in the United States, which is a mess. I mean, I'm sure you've heard lots of criticism of how that system works. Um, mm. But um but some, there are some benefits to students to having access to that. Right now, wayfinding hasn't gone that direction. And so we have to provide all of our own internal scholarships and payment plans for students and all of that, which is really nice for us. It works well with our values and our mission because that means that our chief business officer can talk to, which is, this is what she does. She will talk to each student when they say, yep, I want to come to wayfinding and their parents, if the students want their parents in that conversation. Um, and she'll just find out what is your situation, what is your budget, what can you do, and she'll work out a deal with them that is custom for each and every student. So right now we have 25 students. I, we probably have 25 different payment plans going on because it's custom wow. to each individual student and their family and their situation. Um, most of our students pay, you know, termly. We have a trimester system, three terms per year. So most of them pay termly or monthly and pay it off within the two years they're here. But some of the students are in a situation where that's not possible for them, but they still really want to come to wayfinding. So Jen will work out a thing with them where they can pay over three years or four years uh, for the two-year program. And so those students do end up graduating and then still owing us a little bit afterwards, um, but by their own request. Uh, but in terms of not having any debt, none of them have any, you know, uh, private or public student loans, nothing that would show up on their credit report, nothing that might keep them from getting a car loan or a house loan or getting an apartment later or anything like that. So we just kind of work that all out internally. We also give a lot of scholarships. So, uh, about a year and a half ago, we started the free tuition initiative, um, which at least for starting, mm -hmm. Uh, we chose to start with all Black and Indigenous identifying students in Oregon. Uh, and for those folks, if wayfinding is a good match for them, tuition is free. 
Um, so we have a handful of folks registered wow. through that right now. Yeah. So they just attend for free. That's um, amazing. And no, I mean, no cost, no financial need necessary, just because it's the right thing to do. And then beyond those populations, so students who might identify as BIPOC, but come from not Oregon or students who are white who come from Oregon or elsewhere, um, if they have financial need, Jen works with them to offer them scholarships um, in addition to payment plans. So that's how we manage to keep all of our graduating students without feeling like they have this burden of like a financial burden that prevents them from moving forward. Um, that was one of the the loudest frustrations I heard from students in the traditional system. I mostly taught at small private liberal arts colleges, which tend to be more expensive. But even at the places I taught that weren't, that were you know public institutions, students would get towards graduation. Many of them didn't even know how much they owed. Um, but those who did would tell me that it was, you know, $80,000, $150,000. And they felt like they had to had no choice but to get a job that they may not want, that they're not maybe excited about, but that would make sure that they could pay off those loans. And they were really angry about having to make that choice. Um, so that was one thing yeah. that was really important when starting Wayfinding was that we didn't put students in that situation where they felt like they had to get a job that they didn't want that wasn't their purpose so that they could you know, pay off loans because of college. Which I think is, is, is you know, phenomenal um, and really, you know, unheard of in, in a lot of post-secondary and, and being a, a fairly new school and fairly, fairly small, it's, it's, it's amazing that you're able to, to pull that off and, you know, remain financially viable yeah, we yourself. We have a pretty so lean budget. That's, that's, I can imagine. <laughs> Maybe those travel Indeed. funds are helping. <laughs> Um, I noticed too on your website that um, perhaps because of COVID, um, you, you know, have a, like a, a remote option as well for, for some students. Yeah, far away finding, we decided to call it. Um, yeah, yeah, which is a great, our, great name. Our marketing director gets all the credit for that. Yeah, we did start it originally. <laughs> we started it a year ago because of COVID. We've been operating pretty much all in person through the entire pandemic. We did do a short attempt at doing online classes. And our students really didn't like that. Um, because we're such a small community in a small college, uh, we were then able to bring them all back in person. So we have all of our, we still have all of our COVID safety measures in place, you know, masks, windows open, sitting six feet apart, you know, all the things. Um, but we do everything in person. But a year ago, we realized that because of the pandemic, we had this whole list of people. It was like a dozen people who had said, yep, I'm coming to Wayfinding. But then they had to say, oh, wait, nope, not right now. Like, I can't move from California or Massachusetts or Maryland or Texas right now because this pandemic thing. And it's just too, I can't handle moving during a pandemic, which made total sense to us. Mm. So we very quickly were like, well, how could we get them started at, as wayfinding students anyway? Um, so we spun up this far away finding. So we had uh, Sean Aiken, who you might actually have also met through World Domination Summit. He's got a project. He, this is maybe a decade ago. He did a thing called the one week job project. Yeah. Where he, right, right. same sort of story. He graduated from college, didn't know what he wanted to do, was aggravated that college didn't help him. So for 52 weeks for a year, he did a different job every week for 52 weeks and he documented it on film and in a book. Um, and he was one of the founding members of the wayfinding team to help get us started. And so I pulled him in and I said, would you, would you teach the wayfinding 101 course remotely? He lives in Canada. 
for this batch of students who can't yet start because of the pandemic in person, but who really want to get started. He said, absolutely. So that program has now evolved. What we learned from that, though, is that, yes, it helps students get started from afar who, who are eager to start but can't move to Portland quite yet. Um, but it also provides mm -hmm. more accessibility because there are people who want, who maybe don't ever intend to be full two-year committed wayfinding students, but who do want to have a little bit of help with uh, self, that wayfinding 101 course is a lot of self-exploration. And so they really want to tap into that. So we've continued to offer it, even though at this point, we kind of don't have to for the pandemic reasons, um, but we're going to continue mm -hmm. offering it. We offered it twice last year, and we're going to continue offering it once a year, every year, probably starting in the winter, February. And it's both the Wayfinding 101 introductory course and they get a guide. So they have somebody to talk to weekly and an individual one-to-one -one basis, in addition to being in the group class together with each other and with Sean Aiken. And so far that's worked out pretty well. It's like an eight week course. So it's a little bit of a lighter commitment, shorter term commitment, but it counts. Like if they then come to Wayfinding mm -hmm. as a full-time student, that counts as their first term. And then they proceed with the rest gotcha. of the curriculum. Yeah. So you're finding even within that, that shorter time frame, um, students can can really get a lot of kind of like a, a mini version of, of what you're doing in, in terms of trying to find that that clarity and direction. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's I, I guess it's like a short version. If you're a really self-directed person, you can then take what you learned from that and then just go off on your own and, and implement it. And if you want the more structure and you want more curriculum like that, then you could come here and join us for the longer term, which it was something like. 80% of the students who did far away finding are now here with us in person. Okay. Yeah. So they're still seeing the, the benefit of the, yeah. the richer experience. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we've covered a, a lot of ground. Is there anything else um, that you think is really important to, to share with, uh, with parents about, um, about wayfinding? No, I think, um, I think from a, I am not a parent, so it's a little bit of a stretch for me to try to imagine placing myself in that role. But um, as an educator, I feel like when you encounter young adults who, for whom something like this or any alternative path would be a good match, the most important thing that you could do is sort of provide the, all the spectrum of options that they have available to them and then help support them in learning about them and doing their research. And then whatever they choose to, that they say, oh, this is what I think I want to do next. And it, it could be, you know, going to a four-year college or a local community college or taking a gap year and, and doing maybe an official gap program of some sort, because there's a lot of gap year programs out there, or just taking a year off and working or doing something like wayfinding, like going to a college, but going to an alternative college. I think the most important thing that we can do is ask them why and make sure that they're making informed, intentional choices. Because I think part of the root of how we got to where we are today and why I felt the need to make something like wayfinding, and I think this is why a lot of gap year programs exist as well, is that we just tell every young adult that they all have to take the same path. And we treat them like there's something wrong with them if they don't get into a four-year college or want to go to a four-year college or if that's not the path that they want to choose. And I feel like that has created this problem where we have a lot of, a lot of people in our communities now who feel shame or guilt or failure because they didn't do that path. 
Um, when in reality, like they probably are choosing something that is a much better match for them. So I would say that I'm sure that that is very hard for parents because parents also have all those societal messages coming at them. And probably all of their friends and all of their family members are saying, oh, what college is so-and-so going to when they finish high school? And it's really hard, I imagine, right. as a parent to yeah. be like, oh, you know, my kid's going to actually do this thing, this other thing instead. So I think that's the part that's got to change is like, and I think with high school and I, I, you know, we do, we, Wayfinding has a lot of conversations with high school teachers and counselors about this is like presenting the full scope of options. Um, and helping make sure that these young adults make informed, intentional decisions and know that they have a lot of different mm -hmm. choices, not just one choice or maybe two choices. Yeah, no, I think that's that's so good, so important. And you know, one of the reasons I've really enjoyed this podcast is just discovering there is such, especially in today's day and age, there, there's such a wide variety of possibilities now that just even weren't there, you know, yeah. five years ago. Um, so, yeah, I. I certainly celebrate and um, encourage your, your efforts in that area and um, as well for yeah, parents out there to um, yeah, really support their kids in, in making, making intentional choices, creating that, that safe space for them to, to do so. So uh, Michelle, it's been really great to, to, to reconnect again, um, you know, six years later and um, super delighted that you've, you've found, mm -hmm. you know, your true passion to, um, to help others find, find theirs. And, and doing something that's um, bold and different and audacious in, in such a good way. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing uh, uh, Wayfind and continue to, to grow and, and to change the direction of education and, and more importantly, um, impact lives of so many young people so they can impact yeah, the world. Thank you. I'm really excited to see that that grow as well. Thank you, Jerry, for the opportunity. And maybe, I don't know, are you coming to the final world domination summit next summer a year from now i guess it will be oh i would i would love to um we'll have to see you know what how the world unfolds between uh yeah between the story of our then, lives so. for the last couple of years huh yeah exactly um but yeah take care and, and where, where can people find out more about wayfinding or um you know get in touch with you if they have yeah questions. um our website is wayfindingacademy.org um and we have all of the usual social medias. So whichever platform you prefer right now, we are starting to do a whole lot more on YouTube with some short videos. So if cool. YouTube is your thing, then subscribe to us on YouTube and you'll start seeing um, our regular content come out that talks about what wayfinding is like and stories and testimonials from our students. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Jerry. Care, you Michelle. too. All the best.